Hello there, I'm Kiel Saronin Beatmaker, and on this episode of The Monday Mindset, we're going to be talking about the way of the Taoist, Confucianist, and Buddhist, a light introduction, part one. Throughout history, ideals have emerged which have persisted and had an immense impact upon human beings, their ethics, and their lifestyles. Many of these have evolved into formal philosophical and religious systems, which have been adopted by millions as their way of life. Dr. Leo. This is something I have been increasingly interested in since I've started my journey, wanting to learn more and meditate on these various philosophical and religious systems, from their ancient origins to their modern upbringing the fantastical, mythical, and spiritual ideas that permeate within these systems give me much to study and digest. Considering the countless religious philosophical scholars and students and teachers who continue to learn and teach these systems, although we have our own personal beliefs and views, there is still much to learn. Do not hesitate to do a deep dive into the philosophical or religious systems that you have decided to follow or have been following. Remember, we never stop learning. And when it comes to religious or philosophical texts, interpretations and understandings, as well as new ideas, will continue to form or be recycled to fit the new geopolitical social modern world. That's why we should all take some time, if we can spare, and have the desire to do so, to learn about the evolution of these philosophical, and religious systems. You may be surprised at what you learn about the systems and yourself. I wish to illustrate that though we may differ greatly in how, who, and what we worship, (laughs) the basic code of behavior is common to all. It is this common denominator which binds us together in humanity and has helped us to continue to grow and survive. It will be used to serve as an historical view of the university of the concept of the fully functioning human person. Dr. Leo. In this episode, I would like to do a light introduction into the various philosophical and religious systems presented by Dr. Leo. By no means am I an expert, And Dr. Dr. Leo clearly states that these are just light introductions into the understanding of these systems. And for me, I'm just going to share my thoughts on the various aspects of each philosophical and religious system. For myself included, this will be an introduction into several different philosophical and religious systems. Um, And there are even some that I I understand, but this will be... um, not really understand, but maybe I don't really understand them. I have my own interpretation in my head, but I'll actually be laid out in me the laid out in front of me the origin, so I can get a better introduction. And I think there are many of us out there. Um, this will be an introduction for many different systems of learning, and perhaps many of you out there who have had a curiosity to learn more as well as I have. You know, I hope that this will be a light introduction that's easy to understand. Um, I know I've been bushering up a little bit, (laughs) Um, but I really hope that you guys will enjoy this episode. Um, And it will be our first step 
into a journey of philosophical and religious knowledge. Part 1. Taoism was introduced in China during the Chinese Middle Kingdom, about the 3rd or 4th century BC, by a man called Lao Tzu, in a short work of less than 600 words named The Tao, The Way, his philosophy was later expanded and interpreted by an ingenious philosopher and poet, Xuanzu, during the second half of the 4th century BC. The major game of the Taoist philosophy is toward the internal integration and harmony of each person. As such, it is a way of non-conformity. It suggests that each of us can only achieve our personal full humanity through the process of learning what we have already learned so as to offer us the opportunity to return in harmony with all things as we were in the beginning. Dr. Leo. I can really vibe with the um, philosophical and internal of internal integration of harmony. Considering our technological and modernized world, integration and harmony would be considered taboo. Perhaps if we praise nonconformity and individuality within our society, then internal integration of harmony would be a way of life and technology. The idea of achieving full humanity through learning what we already learned offers us the opportunity to return in harmony with all things as we were in the beginning. It's a beautiful sentiment that really resonates with self-actualization. For we are born, the mystery child is in harmony with all things. For when we are born, the mystery child is in harmony with all things. But as we grow and become domesticated, we oftentimes lose the harmony of the mystery child. We live in a society that chooses not to live life as a lesson learned. We never take time to digest and analyze the experiences we already lived. We are so quick to react without understanding why or how. Then we ask ourselves why or how do we keep making the same mistake or end up in the same situation. We don't take the opportunities that come with living as a lesson learned. And one of the many opportunities that come with living life in such a way is the harmony that comes with living with such a mindset. This mindset of harmony allows us to appreciate the art of living. For each breath we take is a life worth lived. Egotism is seen as being at the root of all disharmony and thus the main casual factor of human suffering. Lao Tzu. This is a timeless statement, especially in regards to Taoist philosophy. We live in a society that thrives and monetizes the ego of the individual and the tribe. We desire to experience and exploit the ego of others and ourselves for the benefit, for the benefit of the masses and for the fame and fortune. We're willing to sacrifice our own humanity for the vices that come 
with egotism. Like an addictive drug, the ego causes great suffering in the guise of pride, confidence, arrogance, and love. How many of us have experienced toxic relationships, friendships, or family members, co-workers, due to egotism of the individual? They thrive off of forcing the universe to revolve around them. And this can cause suffering in others and to match individuals' egotism to hurt them or overshadow them. You see that in social media, on reality shows, in celebrity gossip and conflicts, seeing people living and dying by the ego of the sword in regards of their careers or political ambitions and what have you. Regardless of the suffering and disharmony that is done on themselves and those around them, for as long as the likes and the follows keep on coming, it will continue to feed corrupted egos, individuals who prefer to live the false self rather than learn and become fully actualized. See, we are taught to fight for rights, desires, and needs with the ego rather than approach as a human, because a human is more than an ego. But we are domesticated to devalue humanity and uplift tribalism and egotism. So that is the easiest way to manipulate and control us. That is the easiest way to continue this disharmony and human suffering on a massive scale. We become indoctrinated by the tribe of the ego, this toxic ego mentality that we are the sun and our light is all that should be seen, when in reality, we are eclipsing the world with the false self. You know, the false self thrives on the ego. It cannot bear to stand and look at the true self. For there lies accountability and self-actualization, a journey marked with acknowledgement of oneself, understanding of one's weaknesses and strengths, within their personal universe. How often do we lead with our ego rather than our instincts? We have all been there. We have all made the same mistake. How many of us take the Confucius route? Learn to listen to our instincts, for there resides all the knowledge from all of our experiences. The person must strive to become egoless. With the loss of ego, with the loss of the ego desires, one is also released of inner conflicts. Lao Tzu. As much as I agree with this statement, I have to disagree with it as well. I feel that it is unhealthy to completely disregard the ego. The ego is a part of us just as much as the oxygen we breathe. With the ego comes an aspect of our personality. To erase it from yourself, in my opinion, could do more harm than good. The ego provides an extra layer of confidence in ourselves, even if it's a fool's hope. I always say, as long as you look confident and act like you know what you're doing and saying, you just might surprise yourself and everyone around you. <laughs> I can assure you from personal experience, if it wasn't for the ego, I don't think I ever would have pulled off some of the things I have. 
The ego can do incredible things if balanced with self-awareness. You'll be able to convince yourself to achieve the impossible. How do you think Lando always stayed in the game or Spider-Man always has the last laugh? (laughs) What I'm trying to say is that ego, when balanced with self-awareness and emotional fortitude, can help an individual accomplish more than they believe in themselves. That's the strength and value of the ego. It can provide that extra edge we all may need, regardless of the situation. I cannot stress, though, I cannot stress how important it is that you are emotionally balanced and self-aware when it regards to the ego. Lao Tzu suggested that fully functioning person would therefore have few desires and be unattached to people and things. They would live in terms of their own self-estimation, not that of others. Dr. Leo. I think that um, this is something that we do not value in our society. You know, you look at how... um, Look how attached we are to the ideas that are represented in certain desires. What I mean by that is, you know, for example, you look at like Instagram, you know, or Twitter, you know, the the desire in those social applications is to be known to be followed, um, to have influence. And think about the things we have, we ourselves have done personally um, or have seen other people do um, to get influence, to have a level of influence where they can, you know, I mean, you look at Elon Musk, All he has to do is tweet about, you know, Dogecoin or Bitcoin or Etsy, you know, anything, and the stocks go crazy. Um, That level of influence on Twitter or even on Instagram with, you know, whether it's the Instagram models or the, you know, the Instagram, you know, tarot card readers and all that fun jazz, you know, you, you look at all of that and... And even some of those people, you know, they will claim that they're fully functioning people, but it, it's not really a fully functioning person. It's more of a fully functioning ego. Um, and we live in a society where the, the, these desires of being an influencer or, yeah, just that, that desire of being an influencer, it's such a negative um, desire. Um, and it's, you know, what Lao Tse is saying, you know, it, it really does, it is a, a form of suffering if you think about it. <laughs> and what I mean by that, I, it's a form of like, I mean, I'm going to get deep here with a bit, of, but like, you know, it's a form of self-harm. And what I mean by that is, you know, there are people out there who enjoy, unfortunately, self-harm. And whether, 
And I, and I look at social media and, and Instagram and those things in a form of self-harm because even we will look at the, the comments and whether they're negative comments, you know, we'll look at them, we'll react to them, we'll, we'll bathe in it. And, and that's what I mean by self-harm. Like, you know, think of the countless people who have made, you know, TikTok videos, YouTube videos, you know, whatever it is. Um, I'm sorry, it's, it's exhausting kind of talking about that stuff, but it's the reality of the situation because even though it's exhausting to talk about it because I'm not into that kind of stuff. So what, for me, I'm an outside person. So when I'm looking at it, it's ex, it looks exhausting to me keeping up with all of that. Um, so for me, I look at it and I, and I just see these people, you know, doing this self-harm in the hopes of feeling validation or getting attention and it's it's really scary because this this um this 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 self-harm of social media that's a good way of putting it the self-harm of social media it takes away our ability to be fully functioning people not only that to be fully functioning human and and you know i i can see where Lao Tzu is coming when it, in regards of getting rid of the ego because, you know, let's be honest. Some of those people on Twitter, on Instagram, on TikTok, YouTube, you know, there's a great um, YouTube channel called Abba and Preach. And uh, they do great um, video commentary about some of the crazy social issues of um, that's that we're experiencing in the climate worldwide. Um, and I highly recommend you check them out because, you know, you when you when I watch some of those videos or even on their channel or just on Twitter, you know, just seeing, you know, it just, you know, the craziness that people will do to get attention. Um, it's sad because the self-harm that is being done it like i said it takes away from your ability to be a fully functioning person it it takes away from your ability to live life in your own terms you know um because how, how are you supposed to live life on your own terms if everything that you're doing is being dictated by the social media trends you know, you see it everywhere. You see people having this desire to be the next TikTok star, the next, you know, you know, Instagram influencer, TikTok influencer, you know, whatever it is. And, you know, I see all that stuff. I see people trying to be like them. And, and I, it's even more like, it's even more exhausting when it's people my age trying really hard to like be like that and i'm just like no like you have other priorities right now you're a 29 year old you don't have any business trying to be a tiktok star and if you pull it off good on you then you know i i you, i take my money back whatever <laughs> um but it's just you know i just see all of that and it's just like people have no there's no as you know self estimation it's it's all based on the social estimation what other people feel and 
you know, it's dangerous to to allow social media to determine your fully functional personhood. That's dangerous. And we need to keep that in mind. Fully functioning Taoists are not at the mercy of their emotions. They strive to perceive themselves accurately in terms of their observable strengths and weaknesses. They see themselves as unique and therefore in competition with no one. Lao Tzu. I really like that. Um, I I think that that is, you know, like I was saying earlier, you know, the competition of social media, the self-affliction, you know, the self-harm of social media, because, you know, you, you think about it, People on social media, whether it's YouTube, it doesn't matter. You 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 are living your life on their terms. You're expecting them to dictate your dictate your life. I mean, this is you know a little dark, but unfortunately, I saw this article online about a YouTuber who who murdered his girlfriend by putting her out in like minus 30 degree temperature somewhere in Canada, I think, or I don't know where. Um, but he did that because his followers on YouTube were egging him on. And she died as a result of that. And and this is what I'm talking about. You know, if you, you know, you think about that, that his, his emotions were driven because he was, you know, he had his, followers they were just bathing him with that i don't know bathing him with this such a, a negative dark perception of influence that he could be the judge jury and executioner for an innocent woman his girlfriend like it's it doesn't make any sense to me why we are we are so dictated within the 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 self-harm of social media that is dictated by emotions and it's not even healthy emotions. And I, and I understand, you know, why a fully functioning Taoist would, especially during this climate, would completely disregard the ego, especially if, if they had to live within the modern technological world in a city. You know, because look at what the ego has done. You know, I bring that YouTuber up as an example because that is the example of, a, of an individual who let his ego drive him to murder somebody and you know how are, how are we supposed to perceive individuals in terms of observable strengths and weaknesses if what we're seeing is the is is not even them it's the false self so you know that's why i'm bringing that up because we need to be able to perceive people accurately for who they are. And I, I'm seeing that with the Taoist perspective, you know, regarding, you know, disregarding the ego, it allows you to perceive your observable strengths and weaknesses more clarity because you're not allowing the ego to brush aside or downplay your weaknesses and hype up your strengths. Um, And then because of that, you know, there's, they're not in competition with no one. You know, you're not being driven by your ego. So your ego is in 
company, you know, you look at influencers on Twitter or YouTube, or you look at, you know, you know, people just getting, you know, trying to stick it to that one per, you know, the woke Twitter movements and all that stuff. It's like, you know, they thrive off of just, you know, sticking it to someone. They, they thrive off of having this, excuse me, having this competition of, you know, excuse me again, who can, um, hurt someone the most, who can, you know, say the, the, the craziest comment, who can, you know, have the most revealing photo without being revealing, you know, whatever it is. Um, I see all of this and it's like, they're in competition so much with them, with, you know, other people and themselves as well, because, you know, I think this is one thing that's kind of interesting about the, you know, the fully functioning Tao is, is, you know, they're not at the mercy of their emotions, you know, so they're not in competition with no one, but that also in my perspective, that would include themselves as well. Because we as humans, we're also, you know, we're at the moshi of our emotions. That's a fact. You can argue that to the moon with me and I'll, you know, die on that hill. <laughs> but, you know, that makes me wonder if they view that the ego puts you in competition with yourself, but other people, because you're viewing everyone around you um, through the guise of your ego rather than through the guise of being a fully functioning person. You're not looking at people as humans. You're looking that you're looking at them as a competition, as a threat to your, you know, your masculinity or you know whatever it is, your your followers, your influence, um, and that is something that is dangerous. And like I said, you know how many influencers, YouTubers, whatever it is, have committed crimes, have exploited people, exploited religious landmarks and whatnot for the sake of getting views. And think about the emotional impact that has on people who are seeing that. The positive, not positive, but, you know, it makes that type of behavior okay. And it spreads. You know, you have these people who have disregarded the true self and have fully given into the false self. And they are promoting this, you know, this behavior that prevents other people from being fully functioning people, fully functioning human beings. You're spreading that negative mentality and it can cost lives. See, Taoists see power in morality and therefore are sensitive to society and the feelings of others. They are non-judgmental in attempting to respond to the attitude of others more than their actions, Dr. Leo. And, you know, that coincides really well with what I was saying earlier. Like, you know, they care about life. They care about people. They care about the individual. And they're not making judgments on people regardless of their skin color, their whatever their beliefs are, you know, their sexual preference or, you know, um, identity, you know, all of those kind of things that social media thrives off. And that's what I was saying about monetizing the ego is that, you know, you look at, you know, a, a lot of some of these, you know, woke movements and how, you know, they are so quick to, 
you know, the very things they hate, they are so quick to, you know, to practice and inflict upon other groups. And, you know, you, you see all of that and you just see how, you know, if we taught a little bit of, you know, Taoist philosophy in, in middle school, you know, that was part of the curriculum, you know, take out, um, take out, um, what is it that they, that they taught? Like, why are they always teaching this? Latin. Yeah. Take out Latin, you know, put in Taoist philosophy. Uh, why are we teaching Latin in schools? I don't know why. That is a little weird to me. Um, but hey, all I'm saying is if we applied some of the, you know, if we had a class that kids could take on, you know, philosophies at a young age, that might help, you know, further expand their their ability to appreciate morality and to be sensitive in regards to society. And, you know, I think that with Taoism, I see why, you know, they want to go egoless because it makes it easier to appreciate and see the value within morality, you know, to be even more sensitive to society and the feelings of others because you're not filtering um, society and the feelings of others through your ego first, which many of us do in regards to anything in our life. We will filter it through our ego, constructive criticism, anything. We filter it through our ego first, and we then make preconceived notions of judgments and feelings towards the person or, you know, whatever it can be. Um, And I can see why Taoists thrive on, you know, getting rid of the ego because it then you can't do that. You're not filtering life through the ego. Um, and I, I like that. You can't feel, don't filter life through the ego. I'll store that in the, in the back noggin. But, you know, that's something that we need to understand. And Taoists appreciate that. They see the value in being non-judgmental and responding to the attitudes of others because, you know, the attitudes rather than the actions. Because we have to understand emotionally why are someone, why, emotionally, why are they making those choices? And, and what's incredible about it is, you know, that is a, you know, looking through it, being self-aware, being self-actualized, but also, you know, you're not filtering through your ego. And um, that's something that we all should um, think about. And it doesn't, you know, and that just kind of popped in my head, but like, if that's something that you're struggling with, you know, regardless of your, you know, religious belief or, you know, what whatever it is, you could be agnostic, you know, whatever. I don't, it doesn't matter. There's nothing wrong with learning some of the values of, of Taoism. You know, it might help you, you know, be more appreciative and, and not nudge and not non-judgmental towards others and understanding why people they're understanding their emotions first rather than their actions, you know, and that's something for me that I had to learn, you know, take some time to learn and still learn, you know, that, you know, people's choices and actions aren't always a, a reaction towards you. It can be a reaction about themselves. And that's something that you can, 
you see that if you're not filtering through or looking through things with the ego. Um, but it takes time and practice. Um, you know, as Dr. Leo says, you know, they strive to become the friendly co-worker, both man and nature. Their goal is harmony with all things, permitting all things to work out their own destinies. They don't see this as they, they, um, they see this as the ultimate maturity. Um, as I said, that was a quote by Dr. Leo. And, uh, you know, if only we saw the value in striving to be this way. Don't get me wrong. There are plenty of people out there who are, but it's not enough. If only they had domesticated with such a mindset, perhaps the entire world could be free of the ego and live within harmony with unity and individuality. For we see beauty and harmony with nature. Why can't we see the same in human beings? It's clear that Taoist philosophy appreciates and strives for the duality of man and nature. And a part of me wonders if Taoist philosophy, they saw nature as a state of having no ego. For the harmony that is found within nature needs not to boast nor hype itself. In nature, maturity is seen as strength and fortitude. An animal that has matured is fully actualized. It has survived the crucible of life thus far and is in harmony with its life and acceptance of death. The animal will continue to fight life for life, fight for life until its last breath. Nature has no time for the toxic luxury of the ego. And it's fascinating to me because we ourselves are living organisms, and we have a microbiome that encompasses our entire body, that affects our emotional, biological, and hormone output and input. You know, scientists have been studying this for quite a while. I saw an article on it on BBC Nature, if you're interested in, in looking it up. Um, it leads me to believe that perhaps Taoists we're already aware of the microbiome of our body, but they applied it to the mind. They saw how certain emotional organisms can have negative and toxic effects on our connection and of our harmony with nature. It's an interesting thought that requires further investigation. Part two, the way of the Confucianist. Confucius was born in China around the time of the Buddha in India and Pythagoras in Greece in 1552 BC. His teachings were recorded by his students into four major works a century after his death and referenced as the Shu, the four classics. Confucius was a man, not a god, expounded neither theoretical nor universal dictum. He offered no formula for humanity or divine commandments. He avoided dealing with mysticism or spiritual matters and concerned himself with tangible day-to-day -day activities, complexities, and dilemmas of life. In essence, he may have been said to have been more of a social reformer than a religious leader. His major concerns were with stimulating individuals towards having the courage to be themselves and gain the wisdom to be active part of the society which they lived. Dr. Leo. It seems to me Confucius is a combination of a social reformer 
and a religious leader. In my opinion, he uses religious discipline to convey social reforms and doctrines that encourage individuals to be positive, active participants in the societies they live in by stimulating an individual's mind with conceptual ideas that give way to wisdom of the self, but the society as a whole. When we have the courage to be ourselves, we have the ability to be active members of society. Rather than acting as a cog in society that domesticated us to live in our to live in their own dictation of what it means to be human. We can forge our own paths of love and knowledge that add our own personal and unique improvements towards our humanity and society by allowing our strengths to build upon the foundation of individual freedom that unifies us into community, into a community that supports one another's weaknesses. For Confucius, this points the way to full functioning humanness. It suggests active investigation for the sake of knowledge, and this knowledge is directed to strengthen the mind as well as the will and result in continual cultivation of personhood and society. Dr. Leo. Chapter 4, The Great Learning, Confucius. The ancients who wish to show their fine characters to the world first bring order to their states. Those who wish to bring order to their states will first regulate their household. Those of us who wish to regulate their household would first cultivate their personhood. I love this. You know, it it is it's like a quintessential like um it's it's like a survival guide in a sense. Not really a survival guide, but a manual, a better way, a manual for life almost. Um I feel like if you know, the world were to reset and this was the only quote that lasted that people could read, you know, it would be a really interesting way to see how society would grow from that very quote because, you know, it it points to the situation where we we all um experience and and live. You know, we are we're so quick to try to fix other people's problems, help other people. You know, we're so quick to deal with other situations rather than the situations at home, rather than what we're dealing with. Um, and I think what's so beautiful about this, you know, this quote by Confucius is that, you know, in order for us to be, you know, leaders of our households, in order for us to be, you know, leaders of our communities, you know, leaders of our states, you know, political or activists, it doesn't matter. We need to, we need to, like it says, we need to cultivate our personhood. We need to make sure that we as a human, that we are well balanced emotionally as best as we can be, that we are self-aware enough to make the right decisions based on the, based on the environment around us, that, you know, we have, you know, we live life as a lesson learned. And we have chosen to learn from our environment rather than become it. 
And that is the first step into being able to, you know, have a, a positive relationship and, and family to grow with, you know, being able to be an active member of your community that, you know, people, you know, look to as an example, they are motivated, they are driven by you. Um, they, they are, they see you leading by example and they wish to do the same regardless of the, the struggles, you know, that lay in front of their path. They want to get to the point that you're at. And, you know, I, I highly recommend people really, you know, take this quote, you know, and, and plaster it up somewhere, put it up on the fridge, you know, put it somewhere where every now and then you walk by and you take a chance and you read it because, you know, it, regardless of, regardless of your, you know, religious, spiritual, political, you know, psychology, psychological view, whatever, regardless, that there is something that we all should take in because, you know, with, with this podcast, with the things that you know, I always, I have this mentality and I, I learned this really early on in my life, um, but I'm just finally realizing the value in it. And, you know, the, the, the value of really just living life as a lesson learned, taking that time to acknowledge who you are as an individual and, and taking that time to cultivate it. You know, this quote, and I'm going to read it again, because in case you didn't I'm going to read it again because I really like it. The ancient who wish to show their fine characters to the world first bring order to their states. Those who wish to bring order to their states will first regulate their household. Those who wish to regulate their household would first cultivate their personhood. Confucius, chapter four of the great learning. I really recommend anyone out there take that quote to heart, meditate on it, think about it. Where are you in terms of this quote? You know, are you still cultivating your personhood or are you struggling in regards to your household? Are you struggling in regards to being, you know, an active member of your community, whether whether you are an activist or, you know, a doctor, or EMT, you know, whatever it can be. And especially if you are in the political world or, you know, in corporate world, but you have a lot of influence or, you know, those kind of issues, you're, you have power, you're, you know, you, you're, the lack of control you have at home is starting to affect your ability to lead your business or be, a, a, you know, a good representative for your local district or community. Um, so I think we all need to think about that. Um, I think this is a, a, a quote that um, many of our political leaders should have drilled into their head because um, maybe then they would see the value in, you know, the average citizen. <laughs> you know, personhood for Confucius was not a state of perfection, rather ever-changing, very human state, often accompanied by anxiety, Dr. Leo. And, you know, look at the climate that we live in right now. Um, you know, we're in the midst of a pandemic and, you know, a depression, a financial depression. Whether you see it or not, it's there um, and it, it's going to only get worse <laughs> in, in many ways. And you, you're seeing what the 
the anxiety of the political disaster that's been going on in the United States and you know the 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 health crisis and the handling of this pandemic you know depending on what state you live in whether it's federal or state local government you know we are we, our anxiety is is so amplified right now that you know it's it makes it even harder to be you know to fully actualize yourself to become you know to embrace your personhood um but you know one thing that i think is interesting about confucius is that you know the, the tangible day-to-day things and i think it's interesting that he really focuses on that and really focuses on you know how the ever changing human state that we live in right now anxiety is you know we're living in in a world now in a climate where you know I was saying earlier in regards to, I think it was Taoism, the, you know, emotional organisms and anxiety is, you know, it's more like a parasite than it is an organism. And, you know, it's a, it's a parasite that it just gets, it's like almost like a, what's the word I'm looking for? Like a neuroparasite. I think that's a good way to put it. Yeah. Like a neuroparasite. And it seems like with Confucius's, you know, philosophy and, and his goals were to, you know, have, you know, surgically remove the um that neuroparasite and and in, within anxiety, but in the sense of being able to cultivate your personal because anxiety is never going to go away, but your ability to handle it, your ability to process the anxiety that you're feeling. And, you know, anxiety, it doesn't, it can be from anything. There's good anxiety just as much as there's bad anxiety. You know, good anxiety could be like, um, I don't know, you're, you're a singer and you're about to do your first um, Instagram live or YouTube live or Twitch live, and you're nervous about it and not nervous, but you're, you're, you have anxiety because you're like, all right, I've been practicing. I'm doing good. Setup's great. Lighting's good. I feel good, man. I I don't know. I'm so excited. I can't wait. I hope I don't fail. I'm going to do great. You know, all those emotions that, that anxiety, that, you know, that positive anxiety and, you know, Anxiety is always going to be with us, but, you know, how do we mitigate it? How do we, you know, address it? How do we combat it? Especially in regards to the negative aspects of anxiety. You know, we're all in financial straits. We're still waiting for relief bills and and we're not getting that. And we're all on, you know, the edge of our seats. You know, we're six feet from the edge of just tearing, you know, the, the furniture apart, tearing our hair out. And that anxiety, you know, how do we mitigate? How do we take that anxiety and put it into something? Whether, you know, working out, getting fit, you know, it doesn't have to be crazy stuff, you know, or getting into a book, getting into a hobby. You know, if you're someone who is, you know, you know, like me, hours cut drastically, you know, you got to find other ways to keep the, you know, keep the ship going. You know, so you don't give in to the cabin fever because, <laughs> you know, we're all in, in a quarantine, so to speak, whether it's, you know, quarantine physically or, or mentally upstairs. 
Um, so we all need to think about how to handle anxiety and how to, you know, use anxiety against itself. You know, how can we use it in a way to fuel and drive us, even if it's, you know, a negative anxiety? You know, we have to find ways to use that fuel. And, you know, maybe exercise is one way, maybe writing, maybe playing video games, maybe playing board games, you know, whatever it is. Look for something that you enjoy that you can, you know, do while you're, you know, feeling a bit anxious and trying to, you know, navigate, you know, how to deal with this situation. You know, if many of us were all in the same situation and I'm not downplaying any of it. You know, I'm financially tough in a tough spot as well, you know, but for me, it's all about, you know, my mindset in regards to what's going on. And yeah, I'm anxious about certain things. But I take that anxiety and I put it into the podcast and I'm feeling good and and happy and confident. And yeah, there are things that I'm nervous about, but you got to take that anxiety and you got to put it into something. You can't keep it bottled in. It'll tear you apart. You know, you won't sleep well. You you'll feel lazy. You won't feel motivated. You know, you'll you'll feel like you're just hitting the wall every day. So take that anxiety that you're feeling and put it into something and 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 know that anxiety is never going to go away but your ability to address it to handle it it also affects in your your personhood your your fully actualized individuality because in order to be a fully actualized person you need to understand all the emotional outputs and inputs of your life you, you as best as your ability can be it's always going to be a, a, a living lesson. And anxiety is always going to be a living lesson that, you know, the, the tactics and, and techniques that help you, you know, deal with your, your anxiety. Maybe they worked for you, you know, three years ago, five years ago, but they don't work now. You're a different person than you were three or five years ago. So you have to evolve your ability to deal with anxiety to where you are now. And that might be having to take a deep dive into yourself. And that's never fun. And most often that adds more anxiety. But if you want to be a better person, if you want to be a fully functioning person, you got to take those risks and, and know that in the end, they're positive risks. They're healthy risks. They're good for yourself. <laughs> you need it. It's good for your mindset. Don't be afraid of it. You know, Confucius fully, a Confucius fully functioning person will not only cons be concerned with self-cultivation in harmony, but would be equally concerned with relationships with other human beings. There is, therefore, no place for negligence, hypocrisy, dishonesty, deceitfulness, egoism, or provincialism. For the goal of the fully functioning Confucius is a unification of all things and the wedding of the polarities of self-giving and self-loving in which they believe are one. Full humanity for the person comes from one striving for human cultivation and perfect ability and applying this perfecting unification for self to others, the state, and the world. Dr. Leo. Part three, the way of the Buddhist. 
The teachings of Buddhism arose from an unusual, unusually sensitive concern and inquisitiveness regarding human suffering. They were the thoughts of an Indian prince in the 6th century named Siddhartha, who questioned the purpose of pain, sickness, old age, and death. Modern Buddhism has taken basically three distinct forms, a form of a more established form called Hayayana, a rather diffuse form called Mahayana, and an esoteric form called Tantric Buddhism. I apologize if I butchered the first two. I practiced beforehand. You, you can practice all you want. <laughs> Commonalities in their ethics do exist. For example, it can safely be said that all sects do not attempt to achieve a resolution of human conflict by means of internal integration of personality. The goal is to achieve harmony with the ultimate oneness. This process may take several cycles of rebirth before one can achieve true transcendence as Buddha did. This formed the basis of the Buddhist teachings. The main concern in Buddhism then is with the person in the person's life on earth, with suffering and how to be rid of it. The Buddhist sees life as a dynamic becoming instead of a static being, and all things in life as being impaired impairment and in constant change, either being produced or deteriorating and dying. According to Buddhism, the method, the method of suppressing suffering is by following the Eightfold Path consisting of right of view, right intention, right speech, right action, right livelihood, right effort, right mindfulness of the now, and right concentration. Dr. Leo. Conflict for the Buddha arises from desire. It is a desire which brings on greed, lust, hatred, and attachment. Dr. Leo. See, I completely, I completely agree with this. And a little fun fact for everybody is I've been beginning my journey towards becoming a Buddhist. I'll go into the origins of that story another time. But I also see desire, jealousy, animosity, and passive aggressiveness as a form of a desire. For those can bring about greed, lust, hatred, and attachment. These conflicts coincide well with my personality and goals for my future self and the world around me. I see the modernization of our society and the technological implications that amplify this very conflict. And as much as I love and appreciate and grateful for a technologically modernized society, I am fearful and vigilant of the conflicts and the implications it will have on our spiritual, mental, and emotional well-being. Some of those very reasons and my own personal experiences. I have decided to follow the path of the Buddha. And I'm excited for this journey because I've known all along. I just never believed in the path. For a fuller life, the Buddhist stresses kindness, virtue, love, compassion, non-injury, liberty, modernization, temperance, the golden rule, and mutual, real, mutual, dual, mutual duty in human relationships. 
For fully functioning Buddhists are therefore moral, aware, constantly seeking knowledge, free of desire and expectation. They are more conceptual than emotional. Though loving kindness and compassion are emphasized, as are such traits as honesty, compassion, respect, courtesy, hospitality, generosity, and honoring the rights of others. The Buddhist way is a solitary one, extremely individualistic and inner-directed. It is self-authenticating. It needs no other validation. I hope you enjoyed this episode of The Monday Mindset. To learn more about myself and how you can support The Monday Mindset, head over to my Patreon page at Ronin Art and Music. That's Ronin Art and Music. If you're listening to this on your preferred streaming service, please make sure to subscribe. If you're listening on YouTube, make sure to subscribe, leave a comment and review. Slap that notification bell. On iTunes, please make sure to subscribe rate the podcast, and leave a review, as this will help me and the podcast grow. Stay positive, stay focused, stay true, and much love.